Welcome to the Sprocket Podcast, where we're simplifying the good life. I'm Guthrie Straw. And I'm Aaron Flores. And boy, are my legs tired. From the People's Republic of Portland, nestled in the heart of Cascadia. I'll get to that comment later. We are the show that brings you somewhat irreverent conversations about the intricacies of thinking about your legs locally (laughs) and with a global perspective to enjoy the best that life has to offer along the way. Covering bicycling, trains and transit, adventures and life hacks, and today, no more freeways, or at least today we have Aaron Brown from No More Freeways PDX. I was going to say good afternoon, good evening, but it might be good morning wherever it, you're listening. So, yes. good day. <laughs> <laughs> good, good time. Good, good yes. Good temporal time. experience. <laughs> how is your temporal experience today? Oh, how can we? How can we make your temporal experience better? Well, if you're listening to the sprocket, you're already on, you're starting on <laughs> you're the good on your foot. Way. That's right. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I just picked up my bike from the shop and you know that feeling when all of a sudden your gears don't grind a little bit or mm. the chain doesn't slip and you're like gearing up ready for spring and Pedalpalooza. Yes. I had that moment, even if it was rainy and kind of cold today. Nice. I've always found like I'll ride my bike, especially my gears until they don't really work anymore. And then you get those new gears and you're like, oh yeah, this is what it's supposed to feel like. It's a new lease on life. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. So so as far, and this is this is a highly personal question. Highly personal. S- highly personal. Coming oh. from Guthrie, this is serious. I, oh, only, only Simi. <laughs> Single most joyful component to replace. What What's the one thing that really makes it all come together? Like as far as regular maintenance? Yeah. So I always feel like you can replace pretty much anything on a bike, but for me personally, there is nothing like the feeling of a brand new chain on a bicycle. It's a good chain. Chain and cogs, yeah. Yeah, that might. Right I mean, there. I, mean, I was, I was going to say brakes and also handlebar tape. Brakes are good. Each of those I, are frequent, but they there's a certain pride of oh, in this rainstorm I'm in I'm in good hands. Yes, yes, yes. Right. I love wrapping handlebar tape. It's mm-hmm. actually like there's this sort of zen like piece you have mm-hmm. when you're wrapping it around your bars. Do you do the Nathan Jones method, the double wrap? No, I haven't mastered that yet. I would okay. love to learn that though. Yeah, if look, somebody out there wants to spend a day with me, I bet Nathan me. Jones. <laughs> it's, it's named he's, after him. He's already writing. Go, right now. I don't know if it's a. Yeah, maybe I don't. I'm not sure if he coined it, but he certainly rocks it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Twenty no, twenty four thousand miles, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, on a less personal, no, still personal note. How was your <laughs> week, Aaron? And That's Aaron Flores. Um, well, I can tell you how my weekend was yeah or tell us how your legs are yeah so i completed 140 laps of 500 <sighs> laps of lads circle nice. for the lads 500 which was saturday yay yes how was the turnout? team sprocket podcast was out there oh my gosh it was huge okay uh one team had like 20 people um they were disqualified but they Aww. still had fun. <laughs> what was I the... don't know if they were officially disqualified. Oh, okay. In all honesty. But so yeah, it's, all, it's all fun had, and games, but there Armando are rules. Armando had an entourage. Ah. Uh, and uh, gosh, at one point, Maddie um, had her long tail on the course with me facing behind mm-hmm. or facing backwards and trying to interview people as they rode by while uh, while doing laps. Okay. Yeah. So that was pretty fun. 
Did um, did we get some good interviews in that day? We'll find out. Okay. Uh, I mean, we we got some pretty good interviews. I'm worried about the wind noise. Oh yeah. yeah. That strikes me as a formidable place to get good audio. <laughs> yep. It, Just the circumstances. Yes. In exactly. Exactly. Yeah. In retrospect, I should have walked around to like various people's. Like everyone sort of had their like station. You know, Corvidai okay. had their station. Caca! Caca! Um, you know, the belligerentes had their grills out. There was a. Uh, uh, chicken leg hand ups being happening. Okay. Uh, some ice cream hand ups. That's pretty awesome. Can I ask how do the residents of Lad's Edition respond to this? Are they generally bemused, they, maybe annoyed, but like, well, these bike geeks are going to do this once a year, whatever. Right. Like, in mm-hmm. the past, too. So this is the third one. In the past, too, they've been generally positive. Um, the second one happened to coincide with like the Lad's Edition neighborhood. <laughs> um, what was it? Easter egg hunt? Mm and and we like made arrangements to stop the race so the kids could like run into the circle and do their egg hunt <laughs> and then we stopped it again so the kids could leave the circle after their egg hunt that's super cute <laughs> it was but it was really neat a beautiful example of portlanders coming together yeah, for all of yeah, their exactly. shared desires whether they are to uh, bike a gajillion times around that's the circle <laughs> that's like a candy and some plastic eggs it's like a, a 500 person you go no you go no right. you go right <laughs> was so no events this year other than just the just the lads 500 happening um that's all i did okay and then i recovered the next day i didn't do anything <laughs> I, just, nice. I, I just laid on the couch um what did i do friday i don't know oh friday was just it was an off day for me we nice. didn't have to drive so you're uh, you're resting your legs friday, in preparation for I, yeah well, i knew friday was significant for some reason but it's really only significant to me. Oh, yeah. That's quite all right. How was your weekend? <laughs> My weekend was fantastic. Um, I am, yeah, just right in the, the thick of getting stuff planned out for Film by Bike. It's always really nice and busy uh, around this time of year and getting some fun projects done at the bike shop. But for our weekend, um, I've actually been trying to learn a little bit more coding. So uh, getting into PHP and CSS and Word- WordPress building. Uh, so I enrolled in a course with that and um, have been socking away four or five hours a day on my weekend because I get pretty busy during the weekdays. And so just trying wow. to keep on top of that for right now. Um, but loving every second you, of it. <laughs> Good on you. Yeah. I don't know. It's It was never something I could get into. It's something I realized I've been like tertiarily into for ages. Um, like as far back it, even as, as like high school, I was like WordPress. This is a thing, um, and I I knew enough about it to I think be dangerous is yeah. a good way to put that. Yeah. Um, and I want to know enough about it to be dangerous and useful at the same time. <laughs> so uh, it's a lot of breaking things yeah. to learn how to fix them. Um, but it it's uh it's been a really great experience. So kind of like uh, a week into a six uh, week program, six to eight week program. So we'll kind of see there. But yeah, really excited, learning new things. Life is good. I remember having an opportunity to learn HTML. Ooh, yeah. it's never too late to learn <laughs> HTML. <laughs> uh, which program are you in? Which program? Mm-hmm. Yes, I enrolled in the Skill Crush WordPress program. And I wasn't paid by Skill Crush to ask that question. Oh, you weren't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Skill Crush is actually full, full disclosure. Skill Skill Crush paid. is, uh, as far as a program goes, and, and this this I guess is uh, shameless Skill Crush Skill Crush promotion. Uh, but was actually started. Oh, we've by, never done that on this show. Never, never. 
Uh, so I read into it because at first I was a bit confused. I, I just really liked their approach to teaching yeah. and um, went to learn that it was started back about nine or ten. Well, actually, about nine years ago um, by a gal who wanted to create a learning resource specifically for women to learn to code. Uh, but in the past year or two, they, they, they've they never been exclusively for women, but uh-huh. it's about 25% of their coders are male at this point. They don't... Um, they they won't say no you can't uh, but their their focus is definitely on teaching nice. women to code and being really supportive in that right environment on. so um, I I just really identified with their mission statement and also their approach to that and um, am really yeah feel feel very privileged to be a part of that community right on yeah that that was my week <laughs> Learn, learning to code learning to code and and so will the next eight weeks we'll we'll see how we go here so what is what is the what is your method of coding like where how do you go about it do you shut yourself off from mm. everything and like just you and your your machine and a mountain dew or like do you have mm. to be in public you can like, do stuff happening you can do anything yeah it's it's kind of cool it's whatever 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 works for you well yeah no, that's um, what my, I'm me- saying. my what method works of coding for you? Ooh, what does work for me <laughs> i think i'm still figuring that out uh currently what works for me is uh, spending a lot of time on on help <laughs> sites, being like, "Oh shoot, this does this. Oh, uh-huh. that's that's how that uh, that thing works." Um, I I tend to try to just set aside some time. Jane's also taking some classes right now, um, at PCC, so we have a we have a nice like homework buddy system going on. The accountability is crucial. Absolutely, uh, yeah. It's like yeah. You, you you. I think I think what it came to was the point of like instead of being like, oh, I should do this again, just being like, I want to do this. Right. So as soon as you make that sort of mental switch um, and with that, yeah, just setting some time aside every day intentionally to be like, even if I don't make progress, I'm going to be looking at the screen and, and trying to accomplish it. Sometimes you make great headway, sometimes you don't. Um, but either way, there's a there's a really great support community behind at least uh, the network at Skill Crush. So always, right. always nice folks to reach out to. Oh, great. Yeah. Awesome. Well, speaking of... Nice folks to reach out to. <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to transition here. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, that no. sounds very flattering. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we reached we, out to Aaron did. Brown earlier we, this month. We reached out to the nice folks of No More Freeways PDX and found out it's one folk. We There's got many it. folks, <laughs> oh, but okay. I'm, I'm one of many. Yes. Uh, so, Aaron, how's it going? <laughs> uh, it is After going I well. I totally I'm, embarrassed myself with I'm, this intro. Uh, no, quite all right. I am honored to be here, um, and I'm... As I was mentioning before we started recording, I'm I'm a bit of a podcast skeptic, but I've definitely listened to a couple episodes of your ah, show in the past, so I'm that's, very happy to be that's here. That's all right. You can be as skeptical as I'm you, just you a need luddite. I just there's something about FM radio, just knowing that things are happening. That we're all listening to the same thing at the same time, right? Mm. Which is not to say that there's anything wrong with podcasts as much as I think I'm also just lazy. And you know, at the end of a long day, you just it's nice turning something on and then just not having to. Mm-hmm. There's something to be said about that access. You know, you just push. Well, a we live in a world now where, like Spotify, there, it's right. like the world of music. Right, what would right. you like? And you're like just something. Yeah, yeah. Um, Overwhelmed by choice, mm-hmm. right? For sure. Which, which is funny because um, I've noticed this at several places now. It's like even though the choices are overwhelming, what is actually chosen to be played on Spotify? Oh, if you let them, it's like it's almost as bad as Pandora. It's like, oh, cool, the same 25 songs out of, wait, how the, many million? The record labels are paying money to promote certain things. Yeah, and yeah, like, oh, what a convenient, this band's coming to town at the venue next to your house. I mean, that, like, for real. Like, yeah. It is absolutely, yeah. like, I, I hope Zuckerberg on uh, on the stand last week should be proof that like we should not trust the algorithms. 
So there I is own. there is a website called I think it's like no, Nopify or something where yeah. it, it pulls only songs which have never been played on Spotify, Spotify playlists. <laughs> the only algorithms you should trust are those that are giving five stars to this bracket podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All of the other ones are fake. It's fake news. No lie. No lie. <laughs> Well, Aaron, we've brought you here today to talk a little bit about a freeway project. Oh, shoot, that? Yeah. Yeah, okay, that. that, that. I mean, we could talk about Spotify if you want. <laughs> That's about all I know about Spotify. <laughs> or I should say we've asked you asked you to join us today um, to talk a little bit about a project you've been working on. And, and tell us, just for a, for a primer, what is No Freeways PDX and sort of how long have you been involved in this process? Sure. Uh, so maybe it's a little... Can, can I do the story of self and give my background? And Absolutely. Yeah. From that. Would love that. Uh, so I'm a kid that grew up in Beaverton. Uh, in fifth grade, I wrote a book report on the urban growth boundary. Uh, I was really dorky and into it. and just Deep cuts. Well, now. I gl- grew yeah. up close to the urban growth boundary. Right. And, you know, it's just somebody that paid attention to the fact there were houses on one side and farms on the other. And it's very stark in a sort of way that, you know, the more you read about it, it's like, oh, well, this is something special that Oregon has done. Like we've done land use law. Um, I always just sort of grew up paying attention to this just general concept of, you know, man, growing up in, in a bucolic friendly suburb in Beaverton, like it sure was nice to have an automobile. Like you'd be kind of hosed if you didn't have one. Mm. Um, but not, you know, and I certainly enjoyed riding my bike in middle school and high school, but not in sort of the identitarian politics that I think a lot of us that would lead many people to say ride 500 laps around lads edition. For instance. <laughs> uh, I left for uh, a small school in the twin cities. I went to college, but. Oregonians are like salmon. You uh, you leave the friendly confines of the Willamette, uh, find out everyone's really salty and you, you know, come back to spawn, Re- spawn, <laughs> reproduce, and die. Yeah, like you know, I, I, I've got no progeny in the works or anything, but uh, I'm certainly not trying to die anytime soon. But the the general notion of uh, I came back to Portland and I've uh, been bouncing around North Portland for the last seven eight years and. Um, I've been involved in a lot of different social justice and political activism spaces. I was the board president of Oregon Walks mm-hmm. for four years. I was the campaign manager for the gas tax that passed two years oh, ago. Yeah. So the $64 million for sidewalks and potholes. And well, stuff. that's a feather in your cap there. Yeah. Right on. Um, I passed the nation's first uh, marijuana expungement bill. So if you had records back in, you know, back in the day when the cops were busting yeah. black folks and brown folks for having a little weed and suddenly like all these pot shops are showing up in all these formerly black neighborhoods with all these white moms doing yoga. Like yeah. at the very least we can just let the folks that got busted for like an ounce, like have a chance to like get a student loan. Okay. Yep. So this is, this yeah. is sort of erasing that. Yeah. Record. So it's, yeah. It, it was the first of its kind in the country and actually a bunch of other States, Colorado and California included have followed up past it. So, nice. um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it, 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 it makes sense. sense. It makes yeah. sense, but it also is one of those questions where, you know, um, someone has to ask that question mm. of, of, don't we think that this is kind of dumb? Like, why didn't we clean this up in the bill that we voted on in 2014? Yep. Right. yep. Um, and I guess my most recent big thing I put on a resume is I was the uh, I was the deputy director for the Portlanders for Safe and Healthy Schools campaign. So around this time right now, you probably just paid your property taxes and noticed a big hunk went up to go pay for the uh, school bond. Yes. So if, uh, but on the, that's the, the negative bond, way to sell the it. The school bond that recently passed as well. The negative yeah. way to sell it, the positive way to sell it is that, you know, you're, if, if you have a child or if you know of children in Portland and they go to a public school, they can drink water out of the faucets. <laughs> like the, they, the district got around to getting rid of the lead. There was, the pipes. There was mm. actually a thing going around. Uh, so my girlfriend works uh, at an after school program over at Creston and they just recently, uh, and I, I think it was in the news reopened their uh, mm-hmm. water fountains. Totally. Um, 
Yeah, because they had just redone all the pipes. There. I mean, it what a what a miracle in 2018! You can drink water from a <laughs> faucet lead. in a public school. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I I can think of a couple of places that cannot say that That's right now, true. and that is, that is true. definitely something that was I when we were working on the voter pamphlet statements and stuff. I called and spoke to actually um, I'm blanking on her name because it's embarrassing, but some of the doctors in Flint that were noticing some of this yeah. stuff and just mm-hmm. really you know, the audacity it took to just go, maybe something's bad with our water. Maybe mm-hmm. it is in the water. I mean, yeah, that's a, yeah. you know, that's a, what a devastating sort of thing to come and recognize. And um, yeah, I've been involved in a lot of these spaces, but um, I've, I've also been, you know, really closely involved in a lot of this transportation stuff. So I was board president of Oregon Walks. I was involved a lot with the Vision Zero stuff. Um, really, Oregon Walks as an organization is doing phenomenal work. I'm, I'm no longer involved. So, uh, but that's why they're doing the phenomenal work. Yeah, now that I'm gone, they, they got it all out. Um, but really thinking of like reframing what our conversations about transportation look like. And right I think on. that this is a, um, and I say this as somebody that's worked in some of these campaign spaces. So you sort of understand and see sort of this, this universe where we're like, it is, before I got involved with this, I probably had what I imagine is the general assumption that most people share of just sort of like, well, we vote on what the good ideas or bad ideas are and we work on it. And increasingly, you start seeing that like what is a quote unquote good idea or a bad idea is actually something that is very much predicated by like who's in charge mm-hmm. and like what sort of structures we have in place, right? Um, the notion that we should go spend X amount of money on a homeless camp versus affordable housing versus this versus that. Um, at the end of the day, the people that are in charge and the people that are able to write big checks to people that are elected or the people that run major unions or people that run major environmental organizations these groups have a lot of gatekeeping opportunities and if there's an opportunity to say come up with a project that would cost 450 million dollars worth of government contracts there's a lot of people that stand to benefit from that greatly uh and that's and that's not necessarily a bad thing like if it's a school like yeah we should probably have schools that don't have blood in the water (laughs) like let's go for it and i mean that you know it comes on a case-by-case basis but really, uh, there's this concept in you know political science called the Overton window, and it's named after so-and-so Overton, but he was framing it as this notion of there is a set of ideas that are considered reasonable by the people that are in charge, right? So if I said tomorrow we're going to ban cars in the entire state of Oregon, that would be an unreasonable idea. And actually, I would probably agree with that. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and there would be someone that would say, well, we should ban cars in downtown Portland on every Sunday afternoon in the summer. And I would say... That is an idea that is awesome, but it's going to take a while to figure out how to make that happen. Sure. And, but there's a lot of people that would also say, that's a bad, we can't that, do that. We, no. and that. And that concept of where do we just immediately out, like right up front say is a good or bad yeah. idea. Where's is, the line? It, it's actually just, it's people. At the end of the day, uh-huh. like there are people that own property that donate a lot of money to candidates or that, that are really involved in local politics or in the state politics or in whatever that in these spaces and they actually determine what is quote unquote, the things that we're talking about. Um, and that's kind of BS <laughs> or, or at the very least, uh, those spaces are heavily dominated by folks that tend to be older. They tend to be more male. They tend to be whiter. They tend to be wealthier. They tend to own property. They tend to be focused on a particular status quo that I think that all of us that are grappling with what the hell is going on in 2018 probably should be questioning a little bit more frequently. So when the transportation bill passed last year, um, and, and before I go into slamming it, let me just say uh, to use, I'm a huge soccer fan. Wait, you're here to slam it? <laughs> well, I, I I will say this. I'm a huge soccer fan, diehard Timbers fan. And when the Timbers go play the Seattle Sounders in Seattle, when you get a point on the road, if you get a draw on the road, that's actually considered pretty good. Like yeah. you go into hostile territory, 
you don't have your numbers with you. You're playing in a big stadium full of 70,000 crazy Sounders fans and you win, you get a point. Even if you don't win, you're still like, that's about what we could expect in this circumstance. Yeah. <laughs> so the transportation advocates went down to Salem in this session last year. Uh, they have Democratic majorities, but not major majorities. And there's plenty of rural representation. I mean, the 40, the Portland region is only represented by 40% of our legislature bodies in Salem. So that means that like you have to work with a lot of other folks that maybe don't share your values and aren't looking for the urbanist agenda of just bigger housing well, and, and, and just transit. don't have the same worldview. I hadn't Absolutely. grown up in the urban area. Had right. you know, yeah, for sure. And, and the we extent, all see things slightly differently. And, and urban interests are underrepresented perhaps due to gerrymandering and other things than maybe they could be. Um, and what I'm getting at ultimately is that the transportation bill that was passed was a $5.3 billion package. And it included a lot of really awesome stuff like yeah. kudos to groups like the street trust and the Oregon environmental council and Opal environmental justice Oregon for demand. Like they all stuck together and said, our biggest thing is transit. And because of that, in the next couple of years, you're going to see a lot more money to TriMet, but also to transit agencies around the state. And that's commendable. Uh, I will also say on top of that, there's a lot of money for safe routes to school. That was the big thing that the street trust mm. really pushed for. And those are good parts of a $5.3 billion transportation package. The not-so-good parts is that uh, parts of the counties for Clackamas County and Washington County and a lot of the other Democrats and Republicans ultimately said the Portland region is a bottleneck. We've got this terrible <laughs> bottleneck. The traffic! We're all just standing it's, still. Oh, stuck. Yes. Yes. And because of that, the farmers, the noble farmers in Marion County, they can't get their goods to market. Oh. Or that the commuters are stuck in traffic and we must fix all of that. There were all these good things that happened in House Bill 20, 2017, yes. the bill, bipartisan bill that passed last year. But part of that bill also included a large amount of money for the, what are called, quote unquote, the three highway projects. And that was the Rose Quarter Transit, the Rose Quarter Project in, in on I-5, yep. uh, which I will talk more in depth about. The other two are expansions of lanes on 217 Washington County and the Abernethy Bridge in South 205, kind of by Oregon City. So each of those projects are... I did not realize the Abernathy Bridge was part of that. Yes, oh, yes. So, so um, the state Democrats and Republicans uh, had been receiving information from ODOT, and ODOT is a public works agency, right? As a, as a governing entity, they still have in their DNA their top desire is to move automobile freight put, like freight throughput as much as possible. Uh, they've got, you know, shout out to some of the other folks that work with ODOT in different contexts as bike planners and other things. The agency as a whole does not have the interests in mind of the state of Oregon. They have the interest in mind of the folks that are working freight, the folks that yeah. make, you know, bunch of money building asphalt and con concrete and putting these projects in. And they have a different mind than maybe certainly than the folks that's at the Sprocket podcast do, <laughs> the people that are listening to me right speak right now. Um, and so we have this big question of there are these uh, different projects, and the one that really galvanized us was the Rose Quarter. So if you drive between the I-84 meeting I-5 and where it heads north past the Moda Center, Rose Garden, uh, and Memorial Coliseum up towards the Fremont Bridge, there it goes down to two lanes, and the Oregon Department of Transportation calls this a bottleneck. Yes. Uh, and I actually just moved. I moved from living really close to the neighborhood we're in right now, kind of in the inner northeast to outer north. I'm in St. John's. Um, and, you know, uh, full disclosure, I, I ended up with an automobile. I drive to some <laughs> jobs in Gresham when I have to. Uh, I never thought I would say this, but I guess I'm getting older. Getting to, <laughs> getting to a job in Gresham's hard on yeah. transit from St. John's. Yeah. Uh, and I frequently drive through that corridor. Getting uh, anywhere from St. John's is pretty difficult. It's mm -hmm. part of why time. it's awesome and it's 
why it's a pain in the ass. <laughs> it's, always, uh, yeah. it's always like nebulous when you make a trip through. Every time like I make a dump run like once or twice a year, I'm like, oh yeah, 20 minutes, no problem. And like 45 minutes later, I was like, oh yeah, I forgot how long this takes. It's it is uh it it's like platform nine and three quarters. Here <laughs> it's like you go through a secret rate and yeah. Then, like, yeah. you go back in time 20 years. And, oh well, I'm still looking for that door. <laughs> so yeah. so so what I'll say though is is it is undeniably true that this one particular stretch of freeway has a lot of people that want to drive in it. There are more people that want to drive through this stretch because for all points, if you think about it, people that are going to Washington County from the airport, people that are heading north and south on I-5 into work, any circumstance that one sure. wanted to drive, you end up driving through this corridor pretty frequently. And I, I think anybody who who lives in and around Portland can agree, like, we are at capacity. We're beyond like, capacity, yeah, certainly. Yeah. And um, the, the if, question is ultimately this. It has not been proven anywhere in North America, and arguably the planet. I've been saying North America. I've been saying North America because I have multiple studies of Canada and Central America, and Uh I've seen studies around the country, around the planet. There isn't a single city anywhere in North America that has solved traffic congestion by expanding freeway capacity. I'm going to say that one more time to just make sure that this is like on the record because this is like science, the way that climate change is science, the way that gravity is science. We do not have demonstrated quantitative proof that by making your freeway wider someday traffic will get better there is this concept called induced demand and it exists to say that if you build it they will come yes and if you think about it as someone that now lives in st john's if that if you were to build a really awesome bikeway from st john's to all of these destinations in portland like the np greenway right my, one that was safe, one that was, right. you know, easy to the, manage. You're, more, you're 8 to 80. Right. Yeah. The more that you design infrastructure that connects particular places through particular modes, whether it's transit, biking, walking, trails, whatever you do, uh, and the more convenient and accessible and safe and reliable and all of those things that it is, the more people are going to use it. Sure. So... The thing is, though, is that, like, there's efficiencies that come with transit. Like, you make a bus lane that's bus exclusive, and you run a bus or even a light rail that's big. Like, you can fit a lot of people in it. Like, yes. yeah, you induce demand, but, you know, okay, you have to run an extra bus, but there's still, you're, you can fit an extra 100 rides a lot easier than you can fit 100 cars. Right. Right. Um, and the reality is, is that the inherent geometry of dense urban living comes down to the fact that freeways as an infrastructure will not be able to address increased congestion unless we look at alternatives. So our entire campaign is really, you know, there's, I can go on and on and on about the obvious environmental reasons. 40% of our, excuse me, 40% of our uh, carbon emissions in the city of Portland come from transportation. Uh, This is fossil fuel infrastructure. Yeah. This is half a billion dollars. That's twice the affordable housing bond that passed two years ago. That's seven times the gas tax that passed. Uh, this is more money than the Measure 101 healthcare bill that we voted on in January. This is an enormous sum of money. This, this is a lot of money. It's this a is, lot of this money. This is honestly like it's it's hard for me to grasp. Four hundred and fifty million dollars yeah. yeah. is um, it is the cost of almost the cost of the entire bike network that Sam Adams pro- proposed in two thousand nine. Uh, we're we're talking a massive amount, which hasn't been built, which has not been built. Yeah, yeah. that's uh, I think it was. Eight and a half times the value of the bike infrastructure circa 2011. Right. When last, last yes. surveyed. It is, it is an exorbitant amount of money. So if you're going to spend that much money on a public work project, which again, like I'm for public works. Like we yeah. desperately need more public affordable housing. We need more social services. We need mass transit. Like I'd love to see a transit tunnel through downtown Portland that would connect like uh, yes. Beaverton and, and East County. 
There's all sorts of infrastructure that we do definitely need. So if we're going to spend half a billion dollars on this one, we need to be really certain that this is actually an investment that is going to address our public health, that is going to address our congestion, that is going to address our climate concerns, and that are going to address our equity concerns. On every one of those fronts, this freeway does none of those things. If you ask ODOT, they will not tell you it's a freeway expansion. They will tell you that they are adding auxiliary lanes, Sure, that they're just making the lanes to get on and off a little easier. It's 1.8 miles of expansion of... Or they won't say expansion. It's just we're, we're adding a little bit of lanes here and there so that we're able to, uh, uh, you know, in, re- increase the flow of traffic. And there's a lot sure. of crashes on it. They always talk about the traffic fatalities. Hmm. Well, respectfully, I will say right. that as somebody that is... It becomes a safety concern. I remember that being... There hasn't been a single fatality on this stretch of freeway in the last decade. Meanwhile, stretches of road that ODOT owns, like Southwest Barber, Outer Powell, 82nd Avenue, are desperately, we're clamoring for money for these places 82nd Avenue, ODOT didn't even include it on a list of projects that they expected to be funded in the last 30 years. Man. The, the point is, is that like any safety analysis that doesn't actively approach from a data-driven perspective on where the traffic fatalities happen is one in which you are actually just safety washing the city. And as somebody that is been the board president of Oregon Walks and has been like, knows intimately what it looks like yeah. when you go to a vigil in East Portland for a pedestrian fatality mm-hmm. and you start meeting people that experience this exorbitant drama that is devastating these bloody violent spectacles that yes. somebody's life ended because ODOT couldn't be man or you know, even the countless number of close calls right that I mean had. you know you know those of us that are live in the central city of Portland and are in relative privilege to be part of a certain bike scene and I say this endearingly about the folks that are listening to this imagine what that looks like if you are a senior citizen immigrant that lives oh, in East yes. Portland and you're trying to cross one of the busy arterials out there to catch a bus w- one could almost say that there well one should I think say there are marginalization issues at play absolutely and I think that uh, for the Oregon Department of Transportation to sell this as a safety project when there hasn't been, there have been two people that have died on the stretch and both of them were homeless folks that wandered into the streets, uh, into the freeways. Still a tragedy. Still tragic, we should yes. talk about it. The problem is not expanding the freeway. <laughs> no. The problem is our homeless crisis and we need to like actively have social services to take care of folks that wander into the streets in the middle of the night. Um, so ODOT's been selling it for safety reasons. They've been selling it as, oh, it's an improvement to the local neighborhood. They're going to build this really nice cap. They want to put this like, you'll see some renderings. ODOT's been doing the rounds and starting to show these renderings of what the new cap will look like. Oh, and yeah. Then, and it know. looks great. That's some great art. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's nice with renderings to yep. imagine that stretch. Uh, they'll also tell you that Broadway is is a death trap and we have to fix Broadway. They're like, it's the fifth biggest street for serious crashes. Broadway's a long street. Broadway goes from Hollywood all the way through downtown. And if you look at the map of where crashes happen, there's been a couple near the freeway, but by and large, they're all in the downtown stretch, yeah. which is my way of saying that like the which, way in again, which isn't near where the, right. Yeah. So yeah, the people that are selling this project, like, you know, they hire PR firms and ODOT knows they do polling of like what people care about and they care about congestion. This won't solve congestion. They care about safety. This won't solve safety. People care about climate. This definitely won't solve climate. This is fossil fuel infrastructure. <laughs> right, right. You're spending $450 million on a freeway expansion that will only encourage people to drive more. The freeway expansion is right next to a middle school that's about to reopen, Harriet Tubman yes. Middle School. One in which they built a wall specifically to address concerns of air pollution. And Harriet Tubman has an illustrious history in Portland. I mean, it was yeah. the site that the Black Panthers back in the 70s and 80s, like, staged a walkout to fight like some of the school segregation stuff that was happening. Uh, it's a very big deal to the the remaining African-American community that's there that Harriet Tubman's about to reopen. And 
I mean, I know it's uh, as a young white person that used to live in North Portland, like I, I, I step on some of this stuff, uh, you know, uh, cautiously because I don't want to appropriate all of these sure. just different historical historical struggles. I do find, but I think it's worth pay- like acknowledging, yeah, acknowledging that and this school's reopening is a big deal to the existing African American community. The air quality levels there are already disastrous. ODOT's planned expansion of this freeway is going to go literally right into the backyard of the school, so that students will the building will ultimately be ten to fifteen feet away from. Uh, six lanes of freeway traffic. Mm. And here's a fun fact. There was a bill that went through the legislature last year that would have cleaned up the air quality for trucks and diesel trucks. It got killed by big freight and the business interests. So when California passed a similar bill three years ago and Washington followed suit, all of these West Coast trucking agencies were like, what do we do with all of our trucks? They dumped them in Oregon. Them in Oregon, yeah. Because yeah. that's, you know, what do you do with them? So uh, until those laws get passed, like, our air quality is acutely bad near freeways and we're increasingly learning just how bad it is. And the diesel trucks are acutely bad. And this middle school that's going to open three of the four schools that feed into it are majority students of color. We need to start having questions about like from an environmental justice perspective, Mm -hmm. but bigger picture, let's just look at like, um, it's, it's April of, 2018 right i, I don't correct. know what it is that correct is that where we are um the metro <laughs> last re- i checked yes the metro region is moving forward with plans to uh uh well i'll take a step back in november of 2016 that was a rough month for a lot of us in a lot of different contexts <laughs> the city of seattle the seattle region passed a 53 billion dollar transit initiative 53 billion dollars all of it for transit 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 yes. And it means that they're going to expand light rail much farther north. They've already had a line that was planned to go over the lake from uh, Seattle into Bellevue, that there's expansion of that. Um, there's major bus lanes and sort of stuff that are happening through there. Um, and granted, uh, Seattle's traffic is infinitely worse than Portland's because we've had a head start on transit and Seattle's just invested in freeways and et cetera. Uh, but Los Angeles, another city that Portland likes to pride ourselves on not sure, being, sure. just passed a $120 billion transit initiative. Um, well, to be fair, it's 83% transit. There's 17% for some freeway stuff in there. But they also had to pass it on a sales tax, which is something that in Oregon politics is like a third Don't rail. Do. Right. They had to get two-thirds of the vote, and they got 71% of people in L.A. County voted for a massive package that 83% is for transit, biking, and walking. Sounds almost as if people were maybe fed up with the status quo. You said it. <laughs> <laughs> well, and well, in this, and... But it, it, but it's not just, I mean, it is that, absolutely. But it's also this sort of internal recognition that we can talk about the voters and we can talk about like what the people felt and all this sort of stuff. Sure. But the more interesting question to me is that there was behind the scenes work for the years leading up to that about how big these packages should be. Should they include transit or freeways? Seattle had a similar vote back in, I believe, 2008 or excuse me, I think it was 2006. We I'll fact check and get back to you. Um, that was equal parts transit and freeways, and it lost. And the reason was is that like the folks in the suburbs don't like taxes, so they didn't vote for it. And the environmental and urbanists in Seattle didn't like that it was full of freeways, so they didn't vote for it. And the similar thing could happen in Portland, right? So yeah. Portland is on a trajectory currently in 2008, 2020, two years from now, to have a regional vote for a transportation package. That is a big deal. It could be... Yeah. Anywhere between five, ten, twenty billion dollars, depending on how audacious our leaders are going to be. For those of you that are listening uh, on this bracket and you live in Northeast or Southeast and you don't really care about some of these questions, it's ultimately an issue of how many neighborhoods can you af- easily and comfortably live car light in Portland? 
in Beaverton, mm-hmm. in Gresham, in Milwaukee, the places that we're getting priced out to. And and for people abroad, like these are things, these are questions worth asking as, you know, I don't know if you're if you're living in like Denver or if you're living, you know, in Salt Lake City. These are questions that are that are worth examining and and watching how Portland, I don't know, ends up going just yeah. if for nothing else. So, you know, to take back take these lessons back to your and, and speaking of, of parallels between cities, too, one of the things that has been discussed in Portland is the concept of congestion pricing. And um, I was curious to oh, sort yes. of get your thoughts in terms of involvement or, or public uptake of that concept, because um, that's been one of the most interesting solutions, I guess, that I've seen on the market that nobody really seems to like fully advocate for or, or, or maybe i'm misstating that but it seems like there there are solutions out there and congestion pricing could be one of them and i was curious to hear your, your thoughts on that as relates to this project yeah sure and let me let me finish one thing on the 2020 stuff and i'll come back to talk yeah, about congestion absolutely pricing. um it's it's fundamentally a question though of how do our governing and nonprofit entities what questions do they ask about the infrastructure that we build in terms of what are our priorities and by any measure, whether we're worried about climate, whether we're worried about, you know, how are our parents' generation going to get around in the next 5, 10, 15 years when we have to take the keys away from them? How do our children get around in the next couple of years when they need a bus to get to school? Uh, how do we that want to ride bikes or frequently be able to count on transit? Um, how do we want to address our housing affordability? We have all these fundamental questions, and increasingly, freeway expansion does not look like the solution that Mm -hmm. solves any of them. Mm. But because it's something that historically we've always done, and everyone assumes that more transit or more freeways, like, you know, we got to fix the congestion. Mm -hmm. The reality is the only policy that has ever actually solved congestion is congestion pricing. And the notion is something that I think uh, for a lot of Oregonians in particular uh, especially those that aren't like deeply engaged in urban nuance policy and, you know, geek out on this sort of stuff. <laughs> I mean, it feels like an affront, like Oregon is a Western state that was founded on a lot of like libertarian anti-tax sort of, sure. I mean, we, we absolutely play up the, we just, love that we don't have a sales tax, right? right. We love this whole notion that mm. like, you know, just yeah, live yeah. and let live. Right. We'll yeah. all take care of ourselves. Right. You know, like uh, if you've seen wild, wild country, the way all those folks in antelope are living, I don't know if you have that. Um, it's about the Rajneesh, you guys, yes. I would oh, highly okay. recommend yes. going and watching it. But I haven't, I haven't seen it yet. But you, like everybody's been talking about it. It's so it. good. Uh, um, there was going back to the lads five hundred. There was a a team of no. the lads. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> oh, Portland, you're so endearing and insufferable. Uh, kudos, kudos, the lads niche. That's incredible. Um, we. But anyway, yeah. For, I mean, and I and I'll say this. I mean, like. I grew up in Washington County and like driving frequently and the idea of paying to use a freeway, like the word free is in freeway. Like I expect to not pay for it. And that is something that, you know, it sounds like some nefarious thing that someone in the East coast or California came up with paying for a freeway, right? Toll roads. Toll roads. No. Um, and, and, and to be clear, like, I think that, um, and I'm speaking about the general consensus. Mm. There's also the actual reality that in, uh, in our current moment, we have a lot of populations that have been displaced from inner city neighborhoods out to the numbers, um, whether it's out in Gresham, whether it's Milwaukee, whatever it is, and our job centers are still centrally located. And so all these folks that we just priced out and often through a lot of like really awful racist discriminatory discriminatory policies yes. are now like hearing that we're going to charge them to use the freeway to get into town. Like I don't blame people for having this sure. vestigial yeah. frustration yeah. about it. Um, the reality is 
that congestion pricing, like any tax, needs to be designed appropriately to pay attention to how we mitigate the concerns of low-income folks. Yep. Um, but if you were to, say, put a price right now on driving through the Rose Quarter Freeway, if you the price was high enough to reduce 26% of traffic. So here's the thing, is the traffic is nonlinear, meaning... Uh, you know, it's, there's no traffic, there's no traffic, there's no traffic, it increases a little bit, it's fine, and then all of a sudden you get to a certain tipping point and then it turns into gridlock. Okay. Like, it's it's nonlinear in that, you know, there's no congestion until there is, and then it's bad. And then it's all congestion. Right. Yeah. Uh, and if you can get just a little bit less, you'll actually have the cars move smoothly because uh, it's that extra little bit, that 20%. Yep. So uh, if you were to have a toll on that stretch of freeway, and people paid a couple bucks, and the money from that went to better buses on that corridor, improvements, making the bus run more frequently, making the bus have a bus-only lane on MLK, or having a bus-only uh, bus lane only on the freeway, lanes. a bus-only, oh, like making the, like yeah. a, a, a single parent in Kenton, he or she that like chooses how to get to work in downtown Portland can take the yellow line, which you know comes fairly frequently, but could certainly come more frequently, and it's sure. crowded, especially at rush hour, and it costs five bucks each direction the freeway is free why in terms of in terms of all of our policies we're and, pushing you know uh you know they got free parking if they're in kenton like yep. likely they've got a free parking spot they might have a garage uh and we're making you know increasingly changing this but our apartment complex i know you had madeline kovacs on previously yes, to talk did. about this stuff uh good friend of mine i went to college with her uh anyway uh if, if from our perspectives of do we want streets that have less cars on them from a perspective of do we want to deal with climate change do we want healthier communities where people walk and bike more frequently just for physical exercise for air quality for every possible reason we could think of those costs and benefits are kind of out of line with what we actually uh -huh. think right so a universe in which it costs just as much to drive on our freeways as it does to take a train and right. the money from that congestion pricing maybe went into transit investments and also maybe you know you could design it in such a manner that there was a low income fare so like um, the same way TriMet ha is mm -hmm. developing a low income fare that if, if you're below put, a certain put the mechanisms in place yeah I mean yeah. what I'm suggesting is that we all know um, the extent to which we understand this I think speaks volumes about the sort of political and identitarian drives we're part of but we all broadly are aware that like urban living is going to require driving a lot less it whether we care about it from a climate whether we care about it public health equity well uh, this this freeway expansion project uh, notwithstanding we just we can't build anymore I mean <clears throat> just even in in the the neighborhoods you know we can't for sure we can't build more roads right the, the roads we have are the roads that we have and they're and there are fundamental problematic questions about charging people to drive, especially when we've pushed a lot of low-income folks all the way yes. out. Yeah. But a universe in which the thing is, is that a lot of... Uh, to which a lot of them really, honestly, probably don't have much choice but to drive. But, but yeah, exactly. But, yeah. but on the other side... Currently. Yeah, currently, for sure. You know. and, and we need to be addressing this chicken and egg question yeah. with the thoughtful understanding that like we don't want to screw families over. Um. I would add on the other hand, though, that like that single mom in Kenton at her current moment right now, if she chooses to drive, if there's congestion or if the bus isn't coming, whatever it is, if she's got to go pick up her kid from daycare, she's hosed either way. Right. She cannot pay money to get where she needs to go on time. And maybe three out of time, three out of five times a week, she's able to take the bus or he's able to take the bus and two out of times two out of five times that week, they are, you know, I'm taking a bunch of stuff into work for some big presentation I'm doing today. I need to drive. You pay the extra money for the parking and stuff. 
but we got her off the freeway three of those five times. And so 60% of her traffic contribution during rush hour has been removed. And 60% less greenhouse gases, that's 60% less traffic, you know? Yeah. Yeah. For her. Carries over. Yeah. For for one person. And, and I think that those of us that, um, a, a really astute professor at university at uh, UCLA was saying that folks, it, we are absolutely right to worry about um, the concerns of congestion pricing on low income communities. Uh, but if you were to flip it the other way, let's say that roads currently were priced and we were about to make them free. It would actually be worse. Yeah. <laughs> it would, like if you were a low income person in which we were taxing to use our roads, but the money from driving went towards making our buses and bike lanes and everything else better then that mom that we were talking about or, or dad or whoever parent non-gendered parent yeah. in Kenton is able to get into town. They have the choice every day of two different reliable ways to get into town without being stuck in traffic. One would be driving and they'd pay a certain amount and one would be taking the bus and they would pay a different amount. And whatever those amounts come out to people are ultimately making choices at, you know, in capitalism, people are making choices based on the yeah. costs and benefits. Yeah. And we are underpricing the fact that this scarce resource, which is, space on our freeway during rush hour. I always say that I've been increasingly thinking about the, we, ODOT always complains about the bottlenecks. We're so upset about the bottlenecks. You know, when I have a, I've got a, I've got a, your time is worth something. Your time is worth, I mean, for a minimum wage person, like your time, if you're stuck for a certain amount of time, it might actually, your time is a more limited resource than, than, you know, Mm -hmm. especially the economic precarity that our lives are in right now, especially a lot of folks that have, you know, crap scheduling and, and other stuff that's happening and people that are trying to pick up their kids across town and whatever it is. Um, people trying to make it work. And I and I, I say this not as a like, well, they'll just deal with the tolls. Like, no, we absolutely need to be bringing yeah. in, like Opal Environmental Justice has been really thoughtful on this. They've been talking, they've been sitting on the committees. Um, but if I owned a house and you said to me, oh, and I, I, just, I just bought this house and I had a sink and the sink started overflowing and someone said, oh, well, you could spend $450 million to buy that new sink. But someone told me, oh, I could spend probably five to $10 million on calling the plumber in to see if this one thing will fix it. Why wouldn't you call the plumber first? And by that, I mean, we've got this freeway expansion that's going to cost half a billion dollars. Uh, the money that's been raised from it is from very regressive sources. It's car tabs that increasingly like hit low income folks that, you know, a, a dumpy car that you buy from your uncle is actually taxed more or less the same amount that like a Rolls Royce is. Yeah. Um, that's bad. That's super bad. Uh, and they're clunkers. So they're paying more on the gas tax as well. Not, not just the gas tax I was part right, of, but just right. gas taxes in just general. Just being an inefficient, inefficient automobile. Car. Yeah. yeah. Um, that also breaks down frequently and you got to pay more for those kind of funds as well. Uh, low-income folks get really hit by a lot of these regressive car tabs. Uh, so why not spend that money instead on providing reliable, effective transit? And how do we structure at our a lower gov- cost at a lower cost yeah. to everybody that is going to be better for the environment, better for public health, better for folks that are in wheelchairs, better for people that maybe aren't citizens and can't like officially get a driver's card in Portland mm-hmm. because Oregon is super racist and you can't have a driver's card in Oregon <laughs> if you're not a citizen. Yeah. Um, if if you're unable to drive because of mental or physical disability, I mean, there's a you're too old, you're too young. Um, there's a lot of reasons why people can't drive and every dollar that we spend on automobile infrastructure is a dollar that we can't spend on infrastructure that is making it easier for, people, for more yeah. for everyone to just can't get where they otherwise. need to go. I, yeah. I, I think to like break it down to it, it bears repeating that driving is a privilege, not a right. And I think we get away from that so often. Oh, it's just such most a, definitely. It's, it's such a, a, a assumption, I guess, within our U S and, and many cultures. Um, but 
I think part of yeah, why, it, it why distracted driving is, <laughs> is such a thing is because we see it as a right. We see it as mm-hmm. a as a thing that that we are allowed to do mm-hmm. regardless, and so we can do all these other things while mm-hmm. while driving. And so, tying that into no freeways PDX, um, I just shortly before we move towards a wrap here, wanted to talk a little bit about oh, yeah. sort of what the actionable next steps are for your organization and, and sort of what the what the roadmap looks like from here. Sure. And I, I apologize for you, you gentlemen <laughs> each no, gave this, a whole list of things we talked about and I just I'm you're great. No, you're, it's um, so no more freeways PDX started uh, in opposition to talking about the Rose Quarter expansion. Uh, in particular because it was going through the central the city of Portland was updating their comprehensive plan and this is a really long winded janky long jargony way to just yeah. explain that and like, we've talked about the comp plan a right, couple times with Madeline and other yep. folks I'm sure mm-hmm. um, and we were using that mainly as a platform to just air our grievances uh, the money for this freeway was funded through the house bill 2017 but so was congestion pricing we are continuing to stand with the general platform that there shouldn't be any freeway expansion in anywhere inside the urban growth boundary in Portland unless they have done congestion pricing, studied and implemented first. And we mm. think that any investments should be on transit, should be move, uh, transit, biking and walking with particular collaboration with low income and environmental justice groups to make sure that we're not burdening other folks. Yep. We uh, recently filed a FOIA, a Freedom of Information Act, to find out why ODOT was moving forward with a um, an environmental assessment as opposed to an environmental impact statement. This is, again, jargony. What we're getting at ultimately is that we're kind of concerned that this mega project, mm-hmm. ODOT has decided they can just do the skimpy legal government way of saying, oh, this is just an expansion, like whatever we don't, as opposed to like a rigorous understanding of how this project impacts the community. We think it's because they're kind of worried about what would happen if we if did they that. they actually studied. And so it's kind of a it's kind of a jerk move on their part to go for an environmental statement as opposed environmental assessment instead of an environmental impact statement. So we sent a freedom of information request act to find out every email that ODOT staffers have sent back and forth to each other why they chose that. So we're going to find out more about that. Um, I encourage you to join our at www.nomorefreewayspdx.com. That is the website where uh, we'll have some action alerts. We've got one coming up about congestion pricing fairly soon. Um, I'm glad that we talked about it a bit today. I should have been plugging this more. You're all good. Um, we Here's are, your chance. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, we, we're still writing the letter. Um, we're actively working. We've got a questionnaire that uh, Portland City Council candidates are going to be um, filling out. Uh, I'll just say for the record that uh, for positions two and three that are the two seats that are up, uh, of all of the 11 candidates that were speaking at the transportation forum last week, nine of them came out in opposition to the freeway, despite the fact that five of our current, all five of our current city councilors were ultimately are voting in support of it. I find that a hmm. bit encouraging. I think that there is, um, freeways are a lot like prisons and landfills and pipelines in that they're bad infrastructure that get passed along through bipartisan support because they have all these handouts to well-connected ah. political lobbies And in 2018, I think all of us, whether it's talking about masculinity or talking like we have to retire white supremacy, we have to retire this infrastructure that uh, is currently benefiting a very tiny group of people. But any uh, honest assessment and at least question it, you know, at at the very least, at the very least least point (laughs) out that a world exists in which we allocate our resources, time and energy towards building infrastructure right. that make ourselves healthier, that make our communities mm-hmm. equitable, that address climate change. Mm-hmm. And I think that this freeway campaign, um, fighting this I-5 project, and also just increasingly talking about the 205 project, the impact it has on low income, it, we're expanding lanes in 205 and 
it's a different demographic out yeah, there, the sure. air quality. Sure. And just, just sort of to, to bring it to anybody who's listening and it would be like, you know, oh, freeway, freeway expansion. What does that have to do with, with white supremacy? Well, it's at least worth asking the question and it's, it's a very nuanced answer. Can't really go into it here. Mm. Uh, but I'll take a stab real quick. <laughs> this project went through the neighborhood of Albina, which was the historic African-American pro- neighborhood in, in North Portland. Took out 250 homes. Uh, ODOT never repaid the, the original families. freeway. The original yeah. freeway. Yeah. The original freeway took out the 200 and some homes. That we are driving on. Um, the actual value, if all of that property, if those houses were still there, just based on uh, uh, Joe Courtright, the economist, just came out with numbers on it. It comes out funny enough to just about 400 million dollars worth of housing. Wow! <laughs> because yeah, imagine that's, what a, imagine what a house in the Elliott neighborhood is worth. Like that's quite a awfully bit. ironic, right? Like, mm-hmm. and I mean awful in the sense yeah. of horrific. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I and I say it more tying it to white supremacy and 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 patriarchy and stuff more in the lens of there are ways in which we've functioned there are ways in which we've assumed that these are the ways that we move forward well yeah that's sort of my what i'm getting at that we see it as a as an assumption as a default mm -hmm. to the point that we don't see it and they're exorbitantly costly exorbitantly costly to just say that 450 million dollars is equivalent to the fare box revenue that trimet makes over four years so you could fund at current rates of whatever free bus passes for three years and like just nine in, months. in its current form yeah. without any real I mean, improvements. And it, I, yeah. if the buses were free, people, more people would ride it. It would slow it down. You'd need to cost more money, but just as a, the current 120 million static for just trying makes $120 million a year currently right now off Fairbox revenue. There's no reason that, that, that doesn't money. mean like any other subsidies that it's getting. Or mm-hmm. I mean, there's like tons that. of other subsidies yeah. that TriMet's getting, but just the fare box. You, the state government could spend four years on just making TriMet free for the wow. price of this freeway, and that would probably do a lot of things for congestion, unlike this freeway project. And I've and you didn't bring me on to talk about it, but a f- the bigger question is how do entities like TriMet and ODOT get reformed? And so that we have more political accountability because we're actually seeing like Commissioner Jessica Vega Peterson uh, at the county. Um, we've seen some Portland Public School Board members that are concerned about the Harriet Tubman site. Mm-hmm. We have elected officials. Um, like I said, many of the like um, Joanne Hardesty, Andrea Valderrama, like a lot of the people that are running for city council have spoken in opposition yeah. to this freeway. People are increasingly recognizing that we need to be moving things differently. Sure. But it's like there's a question of governing accountability and that. That's a whole other podcast conversation. <laughs> but what I'm, is, but what I'm yeah. getting at is this a little gen- bit beyond our purview. But-, but this freeway campaign represents a really honest, wonderful opportunity to speak truth to power that mm-hmm. what we do in the 21st century has to be different from the 20th century. And, and that more than anything more else to is this what is than just moving cars. Right. There's more at stake yep. than just congestion. And we, you know, uh, just to throw out another thing we won't have time to talk about today, but like <laughs> autonomous vehicles yeah. are very likely coming. And I don't think any of us know what it looks like. And a lot of us have a lot of uh, skepticism or frustration or indifference. Yeah. Also a very polarizing issue. Yeah. But, but at, at the end of the day, uh, we don't know what's going to happen, but I, we all generally believe that a universe in which all those cars are just running around forever is terrible. It's not an excuse to build more freeways. It's an excuse to regulate how we design our communities so that the free, you know, a universe in which the me growing up where I did in Beaverton, I take an autonomous vehicle from the max line to my house, that extra mile and a half makes a lot more sense than where every person's taking an autonomous vehicle into town and back. And True that. that's yeah. investments in transit. Yeah. But um, yeah, I would encourage folks, we're on Twitter. Uh, no more freeways is our Twitter handle. 
Um, we don't have any, we were going to have an action alert fairly soon, probably by the time this is posted online. And if not, it'll be in the next day or two, uh, asking for a holistic environmentally justice minded anti-freeway perspective on congestion pricing. Uh, ODOT's getting a lot of gnarly comments against taxing and tolling on roads. So if, if you're listening to this and anything that I said is found, uh, sympathetic, I implore you, please follow through and just write your comments and just say from the perspective, I'm skeptical of freeways. At the very least, we shouldn't be putting, ODAT wants to use congestion pricing revenue as a source to build more freeways, mm-hmm. which is like having a oh, carb, yeah. it's like having a carbon tax to build more like coal plants. You're right. <laughs> like, like we're taxing this to not do it anymore. Like we shouldn't expand these facilities. Um, so please, if, if any of this is something you're interested in, or if you think hate my guts, uh, either way, uh, no more freeways, PDX, we're on Facebook and Twitter, um, and on the internet, the, the actual just internet, not the Zuckerberg internet at <laughs> www.nomorefreewayspdx.com. Cool. Well, Aaron, thank uh, you. Yeah. For, thank you so much yeah. for coming in and, and, uh, uh thank you guys. I, I, like I said, it's an honor to be here and, um, uh, to all the listeners out there, I, I think that it's. It's wonderful that uh, there are folks both here in Portland and beyond that are uh, keeping in touch with sort of a geeky, fun universe of bike fun. And I, I know that me railing about transit maybe doesn't seem initially connected, but it, it's I, all related. It's all yeah, more it's more so holistic. than you'd expect. Yeah. Well, I, I I'm glad you guys think so, and I, I hope so because you just brought me on to just chatter about this. <laughs> You're nice enough to give me a beer, so of course this is what happened. Uh, but but uh, fundamentally understanding that the designing communities that allow us to, you know, I. Ardent fan of Petapalooza, ardent fan of Film by Bike, um, and just sort of these this recognition that there's something special in Portland, and it's because of a unique relationship that we have to our communities, to our bodies, to our, like the roles that bikes can play yeah. at that intersection. Um, and I, you know, the the irony of transportation advocacy is that we're really bad at intersectional work, <laughs> yes. even though like our work is about intersections. Like, it, well, it's, and it, yeah, it, it would be great if we were, if it was a little bit more holistic. And I think we're moving towards that. I mean, you look at all the city's Vision Zero work, right? And it's yeah. it's inter- it's intersections yeah. where people yeah. get hit. Yeah. And I think that until we design our intersections for the vulnerable, like we're still going to have problems. Yeah. Um, and so I, I appreciate the uh, patience of everyone that listened to me rant about this. And, uh, if you're <laughs> oh, interested, you're good. Uh, it's all good. Uh, I'll, one final plug. I promise my last one. Uh, we're broke. This is just a labor of love. Uh, I'm spending money on buttons and things and everything else. Uh, if you go to our page, uh, there's an opportunity to throw a couple bucks our way and we will send you a couple buttons. We've got some really funny ones. So. Or, or if you don't want to button, but you do want to do something good, no joke, it takes a minute and a half. Hop on, let your representatives know what you think absolutely and uh on our website over the next couple weeks and months and years as we go through different levels of legislature we will be pointing you in the directions to uh send your send your bile your your polite invective <laughs> mm-hmm. i i will say full disclosure i'm on the mailing list for no freeways pdx as far as mailing mailing lists go it's one of the most like straight to the point no bullshit type mailing lists you'll see out there so it helps that this isn't a paid job for anyone is this like whenever we have the time to send some stuff <laughs> out quick get this done yeah hey <laughs> my workload was like weak this week like there's been a certain joy as someone that does this stuff professionally it's been a certain joy of being able to like i don't have to clear what my button looks like if i want to drop an f-bomb on a on a button <laughs> Like four hundred fifty million dollars builds a lot of goddamn sidewalks, and you put that on True. a button. It's it's kind of fun to like not have a boss <laughs> tell me I can't do that. But here, you know, like not have some expenditure pack be in the or star records for the state. This, right? this is bad optics. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Like, well, you know, the freeway is bad optics. I don't really care. <laughs> it's been fun to just make outrageous buttons and hand them to people and have people look at them and go, oh, like, like yeah, I feel that. Yeah. <laughs>
get get people thinking. Right. Thinking together. Well, thanks again, Aaron. Yeah. It's been thank a, you. Th- thanks for coming on. Would you like to hang around for our mail or absolutely peace awesome. off and write some write some emails? <laughs> I, no, I no, I'm cool. I'm, I'm here for the mailbag. Wonderful. Awesome. Well, as we before, yeah. Sorry, I'm gonna oh, cut you off before, before 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 we talk about our calendar news and mail. We should talk about our sponsor. We should. The I think beer we're on the same level. Yes. <laughs> Southeast Division in 12. Yes. Um, today I drank, I, I usually say I'm drinking, but I drank a wild blueberry kombucha by Lionheart. I brought you two this week because yes. we forgot one last week. I, so I, I'm very I tempted to crack open the second Ooh. one, but I got to go to bed soon. So. We, we can save it for our next That's ambitious guest. this evening. This time of the night. <laughs> well, on the topic of going to bed, I was enjoying a Modern Times Coffee Nitro Cold Brew. Oh, so for on the, real? <laughs> on, the, on the other end of that spectrum, I there. Was, I was looking at that, and I was like, "I was like, is that really coffee, or is that like yes. a coffee beer?" It's, but it's, uh, it's it's actual cold brew coffee. That it is. All right. I was I, I I've got some work to do tonight, and uh, I don't have technical work tomorrow, so uh, I'm I'm looking right forward to it. Aaron, and, what were you drinking today? I drank an Evil Twin Molotov Surprise uh, brewed in Connecticut. <laughs> it was good. It was good. Uh, so if my if my rantings were not too outrageous, or if they were, uh, blame the beer. <laughs> blame the beer. <laughs> and it just shows how important freight can be. Absolutely. But, uh, and 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 that's actually a funny but, thing about like some of the congestion pricing stuff is that you know people are like oh we can't have. The, you know, everything the will start to cost more. Yeah, right. Like, yes. oh, like we have to expand the freeways. Like the tr- the trucks have to get through. And it's if you want those trucks to get through, you put a toll on it and you those like, trucks will get through. No, no. I, ask I will get out. Economist. I won't drive on that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like, no, my father was a truck driver, long haul truck oh, wow. driver. He loved he lived and died by the by the turnpikes because, yeah, cars aren't aren't driving on them as much because mm-hmm. it costs. What yeah, concept? Thought. <laughs> well, that brings us to. I love, I love, I love, I love don't don't ever use that. Too bad. I, <laughs> we're we're I using it. it. <laughs> uh, thank you, Tim Mooney. On the second Thursday of every month, we have the Joyful Riders Club in Minneapolis. The second Friday of every month, the Boston Bike Party. Also the second Friday of every month, the Indianapolis Bike Party. Every second Sunday of every month here in Portland, the Corvidi Bike Club Ride. (coughs) On April 21st, we have Randy Joe Fabrications Trunk Show at Ravello PDX. April 28th, Grant Peterson in person also at Ravello. And on April 29th, the Monster Cookie Metric Century. Also on April 29th is the Yakima Valley Fondo. And May 4th through 6th is filmed by Bike in Ooh. Portland. Woohoo! That's, that's my high holidays right there. Ooh, yeah. It's it's like, it's like just in time to, to get your bike gears grinding towards June, which is Pedalpalooza. I, yes. it's, what a great time to be biking in Portland. Also to warm up for Pedalpalooza... Kind of in between those four and six is the 5th of May. Grilled by Bike Cinco de Mayo, posted to us by Eric Iverson. That will be in Scott Park at 11 a.m. And we'll have a little voicemail at the end of the episode um, Mm -hmm. with his uh, announcement of that. 
On May 12th, we have the Mashley Scavenger Hunt ride. May 16th, the Santa Cruz, California Ride of Silence. That came to us from ride leader Gregory Braithwaite. Thanks, Gregory. And on May 17th, the Oh My Dollar book launches officially, uh, courtesy of Lillian. Thank you so much for coming in last week, by the way. Mm -hmm. May 19th, the DC bike ride. There's so many rides. June 2nd, (laughs) the Gifford Gravel 50. You guys like bikes? We love bikes. (laughs) June 2nd, Weather River Ride. And June 16th, Revello, third anniversary, Wingding Barbecue, Beverages, and Deets to Follow. But wait, there's more. June 23rd, Pedal, Pedal. And August 19th, the Portland Century. September 2nd, oh, I scrolled down too far. The Tour de Lab. Uh, September 8th through 9th, the Bike MS150. And rounding out our calendar, September 22nd is the Lowell Kinetic Sculpture Race in Lowell, Massachusetts. Now how much would you pay? But don't answer yet, because we also have some upcoming Film by Bike tour dates. In Albany, New York, July 22nd. Seattle and Vancouver, Washington, to be determined. Arcata, California, November. And in Bendigo, Australia, in October. I really like how our calendar has been growing in scope. <laughs> like, I imagine what the calendar would have looked like back in 2004, 2005. And it's, I think it's really cool that we have sort of a, a, as Brock pointed out the other day, we have a community within a community. Um, And I think the calendar are sending us like things to put on our calendar from all over. Absolutely. If you want to send it to us, we will put it on the calendar. (laughs) We'll we'll, we'll very, very likely put on the calendar. (laughs) (laughs) I won't say we'll we'll, we'll just uh, haberdash put it on, but we'll we'll have a go there. You could say there is something for every day of the year. Every day of the year. Ba-bum, ba-bum. And now for what can compare with the thrill of a brand new bike? I like my bike. It's fast. I like my bike. It's fast. I like my bike. It's fast. It circles around the city lights. And we've got one item on the news for this week. Two items, says Aaron with the updated spreadsheet. (laughs) Big news, says Brock. The virtual hop card for Android is available not soon, but now. for iPhone. All of us are crying (laughs) to our iPhones. Honestly, I get kind of like a sick satisfaction, even though I have an iPhone, Mm -hmm. that like the sort of the monolith is the one that's not included. Mm -hmm. Hey, it's, uh, it's it's a different garden to play in. I'll put it that way. There you go. Uh, so yeah, if you have an Android phone, you can now use it to interact with TriMet's hop system, making getting on your transit groove even easier than before. Plus, the virtual card works for honored c- citizen and youth passes too. So that's pretty awesome. Excellent. Um, another news item is is more like an announcement here, and there's a new podcast in town. Oh yeah. Okay. Yes. I, I see where you're going. And by in town, I, I mean on the internet. It exists in bits, <laughs> yes. straight to your ears. Um, but we came across this uh, podcast. Trying to do two things at once. I uh, came across this podcast um, by Carrie Gross called Women Who Dare. And it's kind of a narrative of of uh, a ride she took uh, doing the Trans Am route um, in combination with interviews along, not along the way, but 
in part of the narrative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Did you get a chance to listen to? I just listened to episode six. Oh, I, nice. I jumped in the middle just to, to get a sampling, but I, I really like the narrative of it. It's mm-hmm. sort of like a, uh, uh, sort of a, a what is that? Blah, There's blah, some blah, poor person blah, listening blah, right now that blah, knows what it is, and they're like, like "No, you bastard!" It's this, this American Life goes yes, and acts. Yes, okay. That's it. Yeah, it's like it's like a This American Millennials. Life. On, Where do they go? Bike. What's going on? <laughs> My name's Ira Glass. There you <laughs> go. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, Carrie put together. He picture. Yeah, he's he's right over here, looking. He's a champ. You know, yeah. Aaron says that he listen listens and judges. There are two, <laughs> but, I, but every every single episode we are judged too by the photo by, of Ira Glass. There are two kinds of people in the world: those that love Ira Glass and those that lie. And I, think <laughs> I think he's I, he's so great. He's, uh, I wonder I wonder what Joe Frank would have to say about that. Um, <laughs> well, he might be lying, but. Um, yeah, so Carrie's got a wonderful, wonderful podcast going, and I would encourage all of you to check it out. I myself fell into uh, being engrossed by several episodes yeah. there, which is also something I did I, over the weekend. I like the intro where she said, I got this idea because I read the back of a cliff bar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, just just the ability to be interacting with the world and having connections to yeah. people you identify with. Um, we, we could definitely use more representation on that front. True. So... Not we as guys, but we as women who dare. Yes. Well, we're not women who dare, but, but you, you know what I mean. Accomplices. Yes. <laughs> yes. We're right with you, is what I'm trying to say. You know, we may not have a narrative of our women who dare bike tour across country, but you know what we do have? What do we have, Aaron? We got mail. Hey, we got mail. From... Hey, still not the most awkward transition I've ever done. Oh yeah, we'll we'll get there one day. <laughs> <laughs> from Bill Carpenter, more bike news from the city that the world left behind. Here is another article illustrating the efforts that are going into the changes here in Motor City. If this keeps up, we may need to change our moniker, maybe the Motorless City, or simply Wheeled City, or Winged Wheel City. Yes, for all the hockey fans. So this is a, a thing that's happening in Detroit uh, on their East Riverfront and in East Jefferson Avenue. Um, the busy road has three lanes of traffic each way with a turn lane in the middle, like many major uh, corridors in the city. Um, and they are changing it or hoping to change it uh, with bike lanes on both sides going going uh, two ways on mm. both sides mm-hmm. with uh, buffered with uh, um, parked cars. Interesting. Yeah, and this is just sort of like a, a digital mock-up. Mm-hmm. But you got a turn lane in the middle. You got two lanes on either side, a parking lane, and then you got a bike and a sidewalk. That yeah. kind of reminds yeah. me of a, a photo that Jonathan Mouse t- tweeted earlier this week, which is um, a photo of a two-lane car uh, vista, I guess, or, or roadway, and one of the lanes was taken up or taken over by bike lanes or bike. Oh uh, yeah, you know the closure of one for for the use of both modes. So Detroit is uh, beating, well, not beating. Detroit is is right up there with their game. Yes, if anything, I think they're kind of kind of putting us on notice here. Yep. Uh, lastly, from Pete in Wenatchee, he wants to tell us a story about. Uh, photo bombing yeah. by bike. Photo bombing. Um, I had talked about photo bombing 
the the family the family in front of us uh, that were seated in front of us on the plane. Um, he's got his own photo bombing story. He says, uh, I did a century ride with a couple of friends in Wenatchee. The three of us passed a couple on touring bikes. I happened to take a photo of the three of us at a stop and not realizing that the touring cyclists who we had previously passed can be seen in the background. Didn't see this until I got back to Wenatchee after our ride. The next weekend, I started a bike tour in the San Juan Islands. I spent the first night at San Juan County Park. It was packed full of touring cyclists and kayakers, and it turns out the same couple who photobombed us were staying there, and we mutually remembered seeing each other right the on. week before. Yeah, and here's a picture of his original shot with the three friends in the century, and there is... In the background. Right there in the background. A couple of touring cyclists hanging out. Where Where is that? That's in Wenatchee? <clears throat> this is in Wenatchee, yeah. Yeah, how cool is that? I like it. <laughs> Photobombing transcends all boundaries or uh, bounds. One of those two. Um, and lastly, Eric Iverson gave us a voicemail. Uh, it's kind of long, so I'm just going to play it at the end of the show um, after the credits roll. So stay tuned, everybody. You got to actually listen to the whole episode this time. We're and, almost uh, there. Yes. <laughs> We, we've made it. Go wash a couple more dishes. Finish a couple more chores while you're listening to this podcast. <laughs> but speaking of, we've done it. Yeah. 127 minutes in. Maybe less by the time you hear this. Yes. We're right on time. Because every time is perfect. Thank you for having me. Oh, thanks for coming in. Yes. <laughs> Let's, uh, one more time. How can we reach? www.nomorefreewayspdx.com. Uh, www. And we're on Twitter at No More Freeways. Right on. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. The Sprocket Podcast is produced at Stream PDX Community Audio Studio thanks to generous support of Open Signal. Our website is thesprocketpodcast.com. Email to thesprocketpodcast at gmail.com. Call or text 503-847-9774. Thanks to Ryan J. Lane for our theme music. Hurt Bird for our headline sounder. Marcus Norman for our graphic design. And thanks to our sustaining donors, Logan Smith, Shadowfoot, Katharina Mellengard, Wayne Norman, Doug Robertson, Ethan Georgie, Justin Martin, Eric Iverson. Thanks for the note. Cameron Lean, Richard Wazinski, Tim Mooney, Glenn Kubish, Matt Kelly, Eric Weiss, Todd Parker, Dan Gebhardt, who's a time traveler. Oh, you missed that. I did. I'll get it. <laughs> Dave knows week. Chris Smith, who just wrote into us. Thanks. Christy Kaster, Caleb Jenkinson, JP Keeley, Peanut Butter Jar Matt, Marco Lowe, Rich Otterstrom, Andrew in Colorado, Drew the Welder, Anna. Wait. Should I have been reading this? How did okay. we switch up? It's okay. And I'll be home soon. John Wasserman, Andre Johnson, King of Division. Josh Zeeson, Richard G. Guthrie Hi. Straw, who's right there. Hello. Aaron Green, author of We Were Like Sons and founder of The Regranary. Campsite Mac Nurse David, who is on Team Sprocket Podcast. Thanks for riding with us. Nathan Poulton. Chris Rawson, Rory in Michigan. Michael Florney. Jeremy Kitchen. David Belay. Tim Coleman. Mr. T. Harry Hugel. E.J. Finneran. Brad Hipwell, Thomas Gato, Keith Hutchinson, Ranger Tom, Joyce Wilson, Ryan Tan, Eric Wagner, Jason Altenberg, Microcosm Publishing, David Moore, Todd Grosbeck, Chris Barron, Chris, Chris Barron, and Chris, Chris Barron. Holy smokes, you guys got a lot of fuckers. John We're not done yet! <laughs> Simon, Gregory Ow. Braithwaite, Ryan Morrow, Jimmy Diesel, Dude Luna, Matthew Rooks, 
and welcome to new donor Marshall again again. <laughs> We're so happy to have our you all. Our newest donor. And thanks to all of our former donors who helped us get this far. Now brush your teeth. And go to bed. Greetings, the Sprocket Podcast. It's your occasional work travel correspondent, Eric Iverson, reporting from North Dakota. I did fly in and out of Fargo, North Dakota, where I did see a couple sheroes and one person riding. Um, I did see the wood chipper, the actual wood chipper, which was used in the Fargo movie. I saw a tractor driving down Main Street. And the other cool thing was the factory I was working at, they had a bunch of trikes, bicycle, tricycles, to get around the factory quicker because it was such a huge footprint. So that was cool. I got to ride a trike back and forth through the factory. Additionally, I want to let all of uh, the Sprocket fandom know about the Lads 500, which you've already been reporting on. I am a bit behind on episodes, but then also Girl by Bike is having an event on May 5th, Cinco de Mayo. And also we'll be doing one for Petapalooza, date to be determined, but the Cinco de Mayo event will start at Mount Scott Community Park in deep southeast on Saturday, Cinco de Mayo, starting at 11 a.m. And... Rolling north to a park that's top secret with grocery resupply nearby and ending at the Hollywood Theater in time for the Saturday screenings of Film by Bike, which Grilled by Bike was named after, if you've ever wondered. So uh, that's all for now. Keep up the great work, guys. Love you guys. Brush your teeth. Go to bed. P.S. I'm kind of drunk. Love you. (laughs) Bye.